Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler here to talk about season five, episode 18, Two Men on a Horse, H-O-A-R-H-O-A-R-S-E. Not to be confused with the recently discussed Felix the Horse Player. Which had no A. Uh, and what's even more uh, confusing or maybe apt is that the title of this episode is a play a wordplay on an old play called Three Men on a Horse, which was a comedy about some gangsters trying to win at the track and, you know, about horse, basically about horse race betting. Who, who wrote that? Or do you not? Know? Oh, my goodness. I'm blanking on the name. Clifford Odets? No, no. Um, it was, uh, I think George Abbott was one of the writers. Uh, it, was a, it was a kind of... Com- uh, what do you call it? What a collaboration. Farce? Oh, oh. But uh, there's a because a connection here, which is that Three Men on a Horse was one of the plays per- later produced by Tony Randall's National Actors Theater, st- uh, starring Tony Randall and Jack Klugman. Oh, wow! Is this at the point where he was, of course, horse in his uh, acting career? This aired on February 7, nineteen seventy-five and it is not available on Paramount Plus. Fun Before- fact, it was the episode it was the first episode taped again that crazy order that is going on at the end of season 5. This they taped this right after they taped Felix remarries. Oh, it's so, so they weird. taped the episode they knew was going to be the series finale and yeah. still have to come back to work the next week and do this one and a, a few others. That's weird. Before we before we get into the writer, there is a we have a new segment. You know, we don't do a lot of segments on this show. What? But we, we have. <laughs> we have a well, new sorry, segment? no, no, no. We have a new addition to our only recurring segment. Do you know okay. what our do you even know what, what our recurring segment what, is? What was the other recurring segment? No, we no. We have a new addition to our only recurring segment. So the question, okay. what is our other recurring segment, is false. Your question is, what is our recurring segment? Yes. I think. Yes. The odd couple in pop culture. We've done Survivor. We've done oh, Billions. Sure. Okay. Uh, we did one other, but we have a new I mean, one. I guess when you said recurring, I thought it was like, you know, regular feature. But you, I see. You, recurring means it happens from it time to time. We've done it when, when it's... Re- we need when a it, little theme for it or something. Yeah. I, my mind. Right. Well, we don't. So there is a series, a new series on Paramount Plus called The Offer. Are you familiar with it? Oh, it's The Godfather. It's about the making of The yes. Godfather, right? So in the first episode of The Godfather, there is a scene where Robert Evans, the actor playing Robert Evans, walks into his office to hear about, and he's he, he asks his secretary, what's the news of the day? So I'm going to play you a clip from that. It's still a good day. What do we got? Hit me. Ludon is having trouble wrapping his head around Eastwood, starring in a musical. Wants to talk. Neil Simon called. He says it's got to be Lemon, but Lemon will only do it if Matthau's in it and he wants 300000 for the picture. And Bluedorn says, quote, under no circumstances are we paying anyone $300,000 to star in anything, unquote. He said a few other things. Don't be scared. What did he say? 
He said he's got a fire poker with your name on it if you need a better illustration of the studio's finances. Huh. All right, take a deep breath. This is what you're going to do. Peter, you're going to send a copy of Clint's album, Cowboy Favorites, to Bluehorn. That's going to change his tune. Now, Sheila, you can tell him. You tell Charlie Bluehorn that he can save his poker for opening night. Because if that film is anything like the play, the odd couple is going to save this studio. And I'll bend over for him if it doesn't. Thank you, Sheila P. You stay. So this is uh, Robert Evans, who was in charge of Paramount Studios at the time before he became a big success, really, when Paramount was struggling. Charlie Bluehorn is the head of Gulf and Western who owned Paramount Studios. And this is, I guess it's the early, it's the mid sixties. It is the mid sixties um, when Paramount was struggling before it became the hit factory under Robert Evans mm. that it did in the, in the after really with the Godfather and for and Rosemary's wow. baby was their, their first hit that they talk about in here that he did. And then they really had some flops, but it's just funny that they have a whole scene here. Yeah. On the Odd Couple. You know, of course, Paramount yeah, released the Odd Couple in 1968. And, uh, but I've never heard it identified as like one of the films in its, in its recovery and its comeback. So, uh, and it was a huge success, the film, which of course has spawned the very series that we are still talking about and that Paramount still profits off. And so it's interesting that, that, uh, Jack Lemmon wanted $300,000 and wanted mm. Walter Matthau. Well, it's weird because well, Matthau's the one who did the play. So in a way, you would have thought Matthau would have been the autumn, would be the um, sure thing. But then again, Lemmon, I think, was the bigger, getting a little off track here, but Lemmon, I think, was a bigger movie star than Walter Matthau in the 60s. And so in a way, maybe well, it makes sense. Yeah, I'd buy it. I don't know. Curious what their research came from. I've read some stuff that this show stretches some of the facts a little bit or, or uh, makes them a little more entertaining than they actually are. So I don't know. But it's just so, interesting that that's sort of minutia. Yeah. So throw, throwing a reference to the TV show too. Well, this uh, is before the TV show. Right. But they was all in the works as I, maybe I'll tell the story again in one of our, one of our appendix episodes. About I don't know. You told us the story that. Bought Paramount like basically kind of envision wanted this property in perpetuity as soon as Neil Simon pitched it to them. Oh, okay. Before the play was even written. Um, but this series you're saying is about the making of the Godfather, not yes. the odd couple. Yes. Not the odd father either. Correct. This is the this is the, this is before the Godfather even appears on the scene. Got it. This Got is it. the setup to to who all these characters are and what they do before they discover the godfather i don't even think mary puzo's written the godfather at this point who is our writer for this episode that we're talking about two men and a horse uh well funny enough it is uh our old friend martin donovan who is either a um boy genius born in argentina who somehow started writing for uh for uh, that girl and uh, Courtship of Eddie's father at the, in his teens and then wrote independent films in the 90s. Or he is a um, kind of shape-shifting, body-switching, deathless, uh, 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 eternal life uh, force, or IMDb simply mixed up two writers with the same name. So as, And they have still not fixed it. But of course, I, I have not uh, brought it to their attention yet. But Martin, this, just let it be known, this is the Martin Donovan who seems to have been active in television writing from the 1960s television comedy up through uh, 
Webster and Love Boat uh, in the 80s, and then uh, not the Martin Donovan who started writing independent films in the 90s. Um, the other odd couple, he wrote one other odd couple where we talked about him before, and that was the Our Fathers episode. So we start with Felix cleaning the telephone. The phone is off the hook. We hear the operator say hello. Felix puts the phone to his ear and says, huh? No operator, I was just cleaning. He hangs up the phone. Oscar comes in holding a bottle of something in his hand. He has an angry look on his face and he's staring daggers at Felix. Felix says, what did the doctor say? Oscar mumbles at him while making a head gesture that indicates he blames Felix for whatever the problem is. He continues to mumble, walks to the back. Felix mocks the, the, the grumbling, follows him and says, I don't understand talk like that. Oscar kicks the door open to his room and he takes a swig or whatever is in the bottle, which I think we, we're about to find out is medicine. Felix says, why won't you answer me? And Oscar says, Dr. Melnitz put me on some medicine and then put me on Dr. voice Dr. Melnitz. Yes, he's wow. back. Although we he never see another, him. Uh, you know, right. I, 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 if, if only we could see him, we could say he's a, yet another character who has survived five seasons. Felix says, and that's all Dr. Melnitz did? Oscar says, yeah, said I was fine. Felix says, uh-huh, uh-huh. Where's your phone? I want to call Dr. Melnitz. Oscar says, all right, all right. He said my throat was a little irritated. If I gargle with hot water and salt, I'll be fine. Felix says, salt water. That's all? Oscar says, yeah. Felix says, I already called Dr. Melnitz. And Oscar <laughs> says, well, I'm not going to have the operation. And that leads to this now, first. Before we do yeah. go, I mean, isn't that a little unethical? Isn't that a little strange? And yes. For to think that someone could call your doctor like ted if i were concerned about your health uh and i am um i could call your doctor and say hey you know did ted come see you today tell me his full diagnosis i thought the same thing and what makes that even more interesting is i just started binging downton abbey have you ever watched downton abbey yes yes so i'm I, there was a scene where one of the one of the husband matthew crawley goes to find out if his wife has seen um a doctor and the doctor says i i don't know and even if i did know i can't tell you so it's interesting yeah. to me that a show in the 1920s in england is reflecting <laughs> the, the, the practice More of medical ethics. privacy than than the odd couple right right um but it's oh, kind sorry. of funny when you think about it like that he, because melitz has been both their doctors he kind of treats felix as a member of the family yes all right i'm gonna play the clip Yes, you are. No, I'm not. He's a quack. What is he? Who are you to call? What are you, my mother? No, but I wish I could punish you for lying. <laughs> Just leave me alone, will you? I gotta get dressed. Nice. <laughs> You're being so ridiculous. He even recommended a wonderful surgeon. Who, the Dr. Creaky Cookie? Dr. Krakauer happens to be the best throat man in New York. Well, you can forget about it. I'm not going to have the operation. My voice is fine. Well, your voice is fine yesterday. It's always fine until you yell. Well, don't make me yell, huh? Oh, smart. It's all set, Oscar. You're going in the hospital tonight. Oh, did you arrange everything? Yes. Isn't that nice? Well, I can go. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't go. I have something very important to do tonight. Crazy Rhoda Zimmerman is not all that important. It's not Crazy Rhoda, smart guy. I'm going to be on the Dick Cavett show, and I'm late now. The Dick Cavett Show? Yeah. Wow! Why didn't you tell me? Well, I just came up this afternoon. It's because of that racetrack scandal I uncovered. Will you help me find my black shoes, please? Here. There's a pickle in this shoe. You're always after me to use a shoe tree, aren't you? It's very hard to find a size 11D pickle. 
just realized something very, very important about you. What? In the words of the great Sigmund Freud, you're a fraidy cat. I am not a fraidy cat. What about the dentist? You insisted on gas to have your teeth cleaned? Oh, I needed a nap. That's all. Yeah. You're afraid of doctors. I am not afraid of doctors. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I just don't like doctors. The last doctor I liked wore a bone in his nose. It's a typical fraidy cat reaction. Well, no matter what you say, I'm not going to have the operation. And that's the end. Okay. okay? All right. Doesn't matter to me. I did all I could. Good. Now I'll get him in the hospital. Yes. Um, a couple things about that scene. When he went to see Elmo, was he was gassed, right? Elmo? He, when, yeah, <laughs> Elmo, his dentist in the we, Barnacle episode. Are we Sesame Street podcast now? No, the, right, barnacle, right. the barnacle, oh, yeah, episode. barnacle Barnacle guy, right. So he says, when he went to the dentist, you got gassed for your cleave teening. We yeah. did see Oscar gassed when he went to see Elmo. But he didn't seem to have any fear of the dentist. Well... But that's because he was gas. So is that, I'm trying to say, is this a consistent point? Well, I thought more of, it's funny, I didn't think of that episode, but I thought more of, of course, Hospital Mates, where the whole premise was that it was Felix who was the scaredy cat, afraid to go to the doctor, who Oscar had to talk him into getting the operation. And and then Oscar has to go too, because he breaks his leg or something. But, okay. So you don't, you're not- It's kind of a reversal. Of those, but, I don't think it's been consistent. I don't think that's consistent with the past. With uh, I'm just talking about for Oscar, right? Yeah. Okay. Although Oscar seems like someone who puts things off and doesn't want to deal with unpleasant things. But he, he did not- go to a dentist, and he was under gas when we in the scene we saw. <laughs> I remember vaguely. I can't remember whether he was gassed or whether he was kind of too getting high off of flirting with the nurse no he was getting high well he had some sort of medication he <laughs> was high. On the dental system I'm seeing so you don't remember is your point yes he was high. that's right that's why he was talking so funny yeah yeah so i'm suggesting he it's done he wasn't just having equity. okay um i don't understand the bone in the nose joke oh god i don't that stucks out really weird i mean i, I don't even i wish i could get the joke I can't even tell if it's racist or <laughs> it's an African witch doctor kind of thing. But like, aside from whether to take him seriously on that or not, like, why would that make, why would that be a less scary doctor to see? Yeah. Why is he seeing that doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole context is like, I'm not scared of doctors. I saw this doctor. <laughs> yeah, but that's. The that last, that was the last doctor I saw. Oh, maybe that's what scared him off. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense. To I mean, I was me. surprised he didn't make another Dr. Hashimura reference from. So uh, there's a there's a visual gag in there where Oscar pulls out a suit from under his mattress when he says he has to get ready for Dick Cavett. That's funny gag. We have a very late crazy Rhoda Zimmerman reference, which yeah. we thought I thought we, we were done with those. I mean, I guess I guess she got divorced. Uh, <laughs> well, that's right. Or just or is just a crazy adulteress. Now. I forgot she was married. She was married, uh, right. At the end of the scene, Tony Randall breaks the fourth wall, which yeah. has happened before when he looks in the camera and he says, I'll get him to the hospital. Right. Um, otherwise, it's. I feel like that scene could have been funnier. It's one of the few moments in this episode where I feel like the argument, the, the dialogue wasn't as crisp as it should be. Yeah, yeah it's not, for, it's not as uh, uh, jokey. I, I do like when Felix suddenly completely does a 180 because he's so starstruck by dick cabot yep 
Someone Speaking of that, so now we see the ABC studio exterior that we've seen now for several episodes with Howard Cosell and others. Now it says the Dick Cavett show uh, on the uh, marquee. We hear, we're backstage, we see Oscar pacing, we hear the fake Dick Cavett audience applaud, not the studio audience of the odd couple, but the studio audience of this Dick Cavett show. And then we see Dick Cavett. So let's talk briefly about him. I feel like a lot of people know him, but he's on the show so he was born in 1936 he's still around today he started as an actor in the 50s then he read an article that jack parr was hosting who was hosting this night show at time needed jokes he went to 30 rock to deliver jokes which was then called the rca building he actually ran into jack parr supposedly and handed him the jokes which led him to becoming uh, a writer then did stand-up comedy, did talk show appearances, and then got a job doing a lot of different shows on ABC in daytime and primetime and in late night. And he had a show that went up against Johnny Carson for seven years. And of course, mm-hmm. his association with ABC helps probably is why he's on The Odd Couple. He hosted um, many... Uh, yes? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. He hosted many other shows after leaving ABC for many networks. Uh, that was my he, question. Yeah, because I remember him more from PBS. Yeah. So I guess that was, I didn't look this up, but I, I said, so it looks like he started the talk show. I mean, he, as you say, he did a lot of things, some in comedy and all that, but it, this ABC gig was kind of his first, the beginning of the Dick Cavett talk show. Yes. Yeah. And, and then, then I, if that became an institution, right, like throughout the 70s and 80s, Dick, and then the 90s, there's uh, uh, 90s, he did one for CNBC, I think. So yes, a lot of people hired him after this. But the PBS and- years, I think of as like the golden years of the Dick Cavett. Uh, I actually think ABC maybe the golden years. Well, those are the ones that are being rerun now on decades. Which one? ABC. Yeah. Um, he was not as, as in terms of a host, he wasn't really famous for his comedy, but more for the controversial guests that he had on and the- Kind of an intellectual talk show host. Yes. He, had ta- of, he, would, he would definitely probe topics political. of the day, current events, political. And he, a, lot of, a lot of famous, if you go to Wikipedia, there's a lot of famous incidents that happened on this show yeah. with people confronting each other, walking off, arguing. Kind of like a Geraldo for uh, intellectual. Somebody died in the middle of a talk of a, yeah. of a taping oh, yes. that, that never made the light of day. <laughs> um, so Cavett introduces Oscar saying, as most of you have probably read, a major racetrack scandal was uncovered in the past week, and one of the best-known sports writers in America, Oscar Madison, got that story. Mr. Madison is here tonight to talk about the whole thing. At this point, Eddie Garrett walks by as the (laughs) stage manager, saying, 30 seconds, Mr. Madison. Felix comes bounding in, very happy, saying, hey, Oscar says, what are you doing here? Felix says, you're ready to go? Oscar says, yeah, in a few seconds. Felix starts to fix Oscar's tie. Oscar says, no, leave it alone. Felix says, I just spoke to Dr. Krakauer. Oscar says, again, with Dr. Krakauer. Felix says, he'll operate tomorrow. And that leads to this clip of, of Oscar being on Dave Cavett. Please, stop, please, please. He's got to squeeze you Tell in. Tell him to squeeze me out again. I'm no. going on in a few seconds. What's the matter with you? How can you John do them? He's like, this way. No, it's a big one. I'm scared. I have to come in. Don't shout. I'm going to get caught up by my. You hurt your voice again, did you? You know what's going to happen now? You're going to go out there and make a fool of yourself. Mr. Oscar Madison. Thank you. You're on. You're on. You're on. You're on. Come on, Mr. Madison. You're on. I won. 
I just wasn't exactly in place. They uh, have a hammer lock on him. We sometimes have to do that. We had to get one on Helen Hayes. <laughs> get her there for a moment. Say, you, uh, you've created quite a stir with this whole uh, racetrack scandal, and there are a couple points I'd like to clear up right away. One of them is that the underworld has, in a sense, gotten to you and sort of uh, asked you to clam up about this whole thing. Is there any, any truth to that? Perhaps you could uh, sort of recap the story for us from the beginning. Sorry, I can't. Are you having a little, uh, you're going to have to speak up. You'll have to talk much louder. You, are you feeling, do you feel that you're using your full voice? Because I'm not hearing you. I'm having an auditory deficiency of my own. What, um, what is the matter? The matter is the man needs a throat operation. That's what the matter is. What's that? Uh, are you aware of the man in the wings? This is the strangest night I think I've had yet. What is, uh, what was that? That man needs a throat operation. That's what the trouble is. He won't have it. Is he with you? Would you want to come out here and explain this? I don't know what's going on out here. I <laughs> on TV? Yeah, come right out. These are the cameras, and I could use a little help. I haven't been in makeup yet. Oh, that's all right. You look fine. Just have a, have a chair. Stage manager. Thank you. Loved your book. Loved your book. Thank you. You, you. you know each other, then. Uh, what were you talking about backstage? I really didn't understand this at all. This foolish man has a serious throat condition, which he has chosen to simply ignore. I see. Well, uh, can you tell the story then about the racetrack scandal for him? So we... I don't bother my mind with those silly things. You know who was a wonderful guest with you and I just loved him? Lord Lawrence Olivier. Now that, that was really good. If that man had a throat condition, you'd never know it because the man is a trooper. Yes. Have you seen him sell those cameras? Isn't that... What are you trying to do? This man's only on twice a month and you're ruining it for him. You're going to get him fired forever. <laughs> All of you people who think this man should have an operation, signify. How many feel that this man should also have an operation? So this is, of course, is a bit of foreshadowing for Jack Klugman's real life throat issues. But Garrett, you found a clip we're yeah. about to play of Jack Klugman talking about his throat issues on the real Dick Cavett show three and a half years earlier. On yeah, November this, 5th, 1971. This was really wild for me to find because, okay, so yes, my, I had the same thought you do, which is that you know, it's weird. Here's Jack Klugman in 1974 playing Oscar, having five oh, taping. Cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Taping. Uh, um, and uh, not having throat cancer, but clearly having a throat, a med serious medical condition with his throat that is leading him to lose his voice. And that, of course, happened to Klugman, sadly, later in his career. And I remembered reading in his autobiography that he did, he, he mentioned having a scare a throat cancer scare earlier in his career, which he unfortunately ignored the warning. And that's why he had to have his, his whatever part of his larynx removed or something. Um, so, so on the one hand, I started like trying to research that to confirm that. And I found the part in his book where he says that, but I had no idea when that was. And then I also was looking because of Dick Cavett, I, uh, someone on Facebook actually post, posted a picture recently of Randall and Klugman on the old Dick Cavett show. And I went looking for that thing. Oh, wouldn't that be, be interesting to see what they were really like on Dick Cavett? And when that was, was it close to this episode? 
And the only one I could find with either of them on Cabot was this clip. And sure enough, what he's talking about is his battle with possible throat cancer. But it's earlier. It's the episode seems to have been aired in uh, November 1971. Yeah. Um, the start of season two of the article. In the clip, a couple of things. A, if you hear, you'll, you, you'll hear a female voice. It's Florence Henderson from the Brady Bunch. <laughs> it's very, it's a peak, who, peak early 70s moment. Who does re- also tape on Paramount Law. It's a Paramount show. And she refers to Tony Randall in the clip. Also, early in the clip, which we're not going to play, there's some odd, uncomfortable joking. And Jack Klugman, I've noticed on talk shows, would always kind of throw out weird jokes that aren't that funny and try to ad-lib. And he wasn't a great ad-libber. Kind of shows that kind of like a little discomfort doing being himself. Like Unlike Tony Randall, who would just come out and yes. have a character. You know, right. Tony Randall so, character, he knows how to play. But Klugman has, a, has to kind of, he's a little awkward about it, yeah. So there's some reference to Florence Henderson touching Dick Cavett and then Jack Klugman touches Dick Cavett. And it, and it seems like Dick Cavett's about to ask Jack Klugman about whether Tony, uh, Felix and Oscar are gay. He alludes to that, to the homoerotic uh, rumors around the show, right? Right, but he, before he gets very far, he says like half a sentence. Right. Klugman, I think unintentionally, just throws out another joke and completely gets to have it off the, tr- the track. And then it goes into <laughs> what we're actually going to play. So we're not right, playing any of that right. setup because it's just, you clunky. can see it on YouTube if you want. Yes. Curious. Right. Right. But we're going to play now the main part of the, of this interview. <laughs> Say, I've heard that you have cured one of your nasty habits. I'm, I'm, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm no, I, I, I maybe don't want to talk about no, it. I heard rumors of this and, and uh, yeah, I went to the doctor the other day, and he scared me uh, by my throat. And, uh, oh, yeah? So it's been the three days, and I tell you, it's murder. It's impossible. I, I go around, like, you know, sniffing. And, and then I think cigarettes I sneak won't count, you know. No one sees it. So I'll take a cigarette, like, I'll be alone, and I'll go in a room, and I'll say, no, it counts. It counts. Your throat knows, you know. And I, boy, but I tell you, it is murder. Don't smoke. It's murder. Yeah. It's quite a you, This is your third day, though. It's my so third day. So please excuse anything. That's why I grabbed you. I mean, anything. I need support anywhere I can get it. So. I resemble a slim cigarette to you. Dear. <laughs> I saw I, I you. Yes. I know that is hard. Oh. Uh, I've never had to do it because I've never really smoked. I, th- I can remember in high school carrying cigarettes around for a while when I thought that looked cool, but uh, it didn't um, ever really grab me. I've been that. smoking for over 35 years, mm. never less than two packs a day as high oh. as four. I mean, that's a lot. I'm just, as he said, I'm lucky that I'm able to practice my profession you know did, did your voice begin to get raspy and yeah well i had laryngitis for a long time and i went over and he's called it some sort of luca plachia or something funny huh my name. so yeah, it scared me and i just and I, I must say i'm very very glad that he frightened me because i i'm gonna beat it this time 
I know. I, 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 my dentist uh, stopped a patient from smoking. When the guy just said, how do you do it? And he said, you do it by not putting cigarettes in your mouth and lighting them. And he took his package of cigarettes and crunched them up and threw them away. And he said, I'm going to tell you what those little things inside your mouth mean. And then if you want to continue to smoke, fine. And he punched and, the dentist right in the mouth. Yes. Which is what I would have done. Yes. I mean, that would, mind your own business. Only this much of Dr. Rappaport is the original <laughs> man. <laughs> well, Tony Randall won't let me smoke anyway. Tony, now, when he heard that, mm. it's... Yeah. He won't let me get near a cigarette. Well, he wouldn't let you have a cigar on the set because of the smell of it. Uh, he wouldn't bottom. let anybody. The whole crew, 40 guys sneaking cigarettes. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> the whole lot. None of us on the lot are allowed to smoke. Even in buildings next to Tony no, Randall, you're right. not allowed to smoke? He has that kind of nose, doesn't he? He's right out. Somebody's smoking a pipe. All right, who's got a pipe? And now they start to squeal on one another. It's like Nazi Germany. <laughs> He's the one. He's got it. <laughs> We, we've been working together 20 years. Yeah, well, Tony get mad. So, and they're squealing on one another. on each other. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That's the main part. So yeah. So I thought it was just really interesting that aside from knowing that they had appeared on Dick Cavett, and maybe they were friends, I don't know, and maybe that explained his appearance in this episode. But then when I realized what they were talking, it's like, it's like he decided to reenact that in a way by bringing Dick Cavett I just feel they're kind of rep just for themselves, like referencing that Klugman's appearance a few years earlier. Do we really believe that that three day turned into a, I, I have a feeling he didn't stop smoking for that long. No, because here's okay. I'll just, this is brief from his, uh, from his memoir, Tony and me, which I've quoted from before where he talked mostly focused on the odd couple and Tony Randall. Okay. So he says the first time I got cancer, this is his words. The first time I got cancer was when I was performing in the odd couple on stage. And I was constantly getting laryngitis. Now, by this, I'm assuming he's referring to the, the during summers all, between seasons, he and Randall would perform the play on the road a lot. So that's what first made me think it was during the, you know, the run of the show. He says, I put off going to the doctor for a long time. But when I finally did, he told me I had leukoplakia, a dangerous precancerous condition. If you stop smoking now, the doctor told me, it will probably disappear. If you don't, in a year, I'll be taking out your vocal cords and that will be the end of your acting career. I stopped smoking that minute. And after three months, I went back for a follow-up visit. This time, the doctor told me that I had, quote, virginal vocal cords again, not a mark on them. So what did I do? I left his office, went down to the pharmacy that was in the building and bought a pack of cigarettes. Wow. Well, <laughs> so it's <much>. interesting. <laughs> So two other things from the fake Dick Cavett interview. Um, did you hear Felix reference says, I love your, I love your book. Yes. So that's I, what I could determine is that it was an autobiography Dick Cavett wrote called Cavett that was published in 1974. Aptly titled. And then did you hear the subtle reference when they're talking about Lawrence Olivier, when Felix says he can do you hear how he sells cameras? <laughs> you know, I, not till you pointed it out, uh, I, I got. I didn't hear it. Maybe. Uh, so tell us about that. So apparently, uh, Lawrence Olivier sold Polaroids on TV in the seventies. I don't. I think they must have stopped before I remember watching commercials. But we're going to play uh, one of the Polaroid ads, oh, cool. and I did not know that he did this. When you can see a picture developing before your eyes. Blooming in minutes into a photograph as real as life itself. It makes you eager to grab hold of the world. 
Almost effortlessly, the SX-70 slips through life. Searching out. Recording. Press the button. There it is. It's as simple as that. Polaroids SX-70. Land camera. So if you go online, there's wow. several is, of these ads. Is he on camera for that? Yes, he is. Wow. Wow. Yep. So it's not just a voiceover. No, it's not just he's voiceover. Doing the full, he's doing the full deal. When you oh, hear that, when you hear the Polaroid go, he's yeah. pushing yeah. the button. He's holding a camera at the screen. And, and, he's, uh, and even and Lord Olivier it. needed to pay the bills. Yep. Um, okay. So uh, now we see the exterior of a hospital. We see a nurse with a patient behind her in a hospital bed with bandages all over his face and his leg. And, and his leg is in a cast suspended up. She's writing in a chart. This is Kathleen Turner making her second appearance as a nurse on the Kathleen Oscar. Turner, really? Kat Kathleen. Oh. Um, she was in the first baby episode as a nurse, and that's like the only credit she has on IMDb TV outside of two yeah. things I've never heard of. So either she's a real professional nurse or she's a friend of Gary Marshall. So we see Oscar has a thermometer in his mouth. I don't quite get this. The nurse walks over to take out the thermometer from his mouth, but he's biting down on it. And she says, will you please give me my thermometer back? She tries to take it again, and he still won't release it. And the nurse says, relax, it's only a minor operation. So then she tickles his belly, and he laughs, which allows her to take the thermometer. I don't really understand. Oscar, is he just being grumpy, and he doesn't want to do anything participating in this, and that's why he's holding on a thermometer? Well, Ted, I wish I could, I wish I, I could comment on that, but I did not see this scene because I watched it on Decade. Oh. From which this scene, uh, from which this part of the scene, the whole beginning of the scene is cut. Oh, until Felix comes Before in? Before Felix's entrance, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, so I'm enjoying hearing you describe it because I, I do not recall it. It is certainly well. not. It, it is a good <laughs> scene to cut if you have to yeah. cut something. Okay. It saves because about a minute. It's just, there's nothing entertaining about it. Um, so she looks at the thermometer and then we hear dubbed in. She says, that's close enough. Oscar says close enough to what? And she says close enough to operate. I guess his temperature is low enough or you're normal enough. Oscar says, thanks a lot. Maybe he thought by not giving her the thermometer back, he mm. could prevent the operation. Oh, just like they did with Bobby Riggs. Try to <laughs> control well, his temperature. Oh, 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 right. Which we also never understood. Weird ideas. It also didn't make sense yet. Uh, the nurse says, your surgeon will be in in a few minutes. You'll like him. He's a real cut-up. That's kind of useful to know that, I guess, giving us a heads up. Get, that he, get it? He's a cut-up? Oh, cut-up. <laughs> What'd you think it. I said? I, I I mean, I get the pun now. Oh, okay. But you didn't the first he time is I a, said He it. is a kind of, he's a character. He's a... Oscar turns to the other patient and says, you hear what he said? Do you hear what she said? Dr. Crower, Dr. Krakauer is a real cut-up. The guy says nothing. Oscar says, look what I'm talking to, the mummy. Because he's and we wrapped see, up. Right. We see Felix outside the room via a window in the door, and he's smiling, and he enters with a big horseshoe wreath that says, mm -hmm. good luck on it. Oscar is sleeping. So Felix, it's funny, he just fell asleep. Right. Felix plays call to the post with his mouth, which is what I discovered that horse racing is called call to the post. Oh. Uh, he plays it with his mouth, which we'll hear as we start uh, to hear this this clip. Post time. I make a joke out of anything. 
How you feel, huh? A little low, huh? You scared? <laughs> Let's have some fun. <laughs> guy you know what he came in there for a tonsillectomy must have been complications you know who operated on him dr krakauer they tell me krakauer is a genius yeah. how they treat him huh all right they even shaved me well, you want to look nice for your operation i'm not talking about my face you don't want to take any chances well, it's a pretty big margin for error why didn't you stop them? I was sound asleep. It was three o'clock in the morning. I thought it was a nice dream. Such a shit. I want to get out of here. My voice is better. Your I want to get out of here. How can anybody work here with all this stuff in the hall? Hello, I'm Dr. Krakauer. Sorry I'm late. How do you do? How do you do? You're Dr. Krakauer? Yeah. What's the matter? You never saw a surgeon before? You Madison? What's the matter with him? He can't talk. He's got a bad throat. That's why he's here in the hospital. Well, take it easy. You can't be too careful. Sometimes they slip a hernia case in. It's embarrassing. You weren't too careful with this tonsillectomy case, were you? Don't be a dope. I never operated on him. He jumped out the window when we tried to shave him. <laughs> Do you think this is the most sanitary thing in the world, a cigar? You know, most doctors have quit. Are you a patient here? No. Would you like to be? I'm his roommate. Don't let him make you nervous. Here, open up. Let me see. Doctor. Doctor. Another walk down the aisle. I want you to know that I will be here to help him at all times. You really want to help him? Yes. Move to Turkey. <laughs> Tomorrow, we'll have the operation. Keep your fingers crossed. What an eccentric, huh? But I smell genius. I smell pain. I'm getting out of here. Stay, stay. We'll have some more. Fun. No, I'm over with the bed. Leave the bed alone, will you? You know what I always say to a man who's about to have a throat operation? What? Keep your chin up. <laughs> Get out, Felix. But you need a friend. Get out, Felix. So when Felix says, let's have some fun, he starts playing with the controls for the electric bed that Oscar's in, and it moves his upper and lower body up way too fast for an electric bed. But it is funny. There's also some risque jokes in there with shaving... Oh, yeah. And by the way, another show that has almost the exact same joke is All in the Family. Really? Yes, there's an episode where Archie goes to the hospital. Uh, so that was, I, you know, I, I, I will say I'm fortunate that I've never had to have uh, surgery, but uh, it's, it's like, I guess this is just a, a common men's 
anxiety about being fully body shaved. Well, I don't know. Hospital. I don't understand why they have to shave down there yeah. if they're operating as throat. Is, I don't get it. Let's be clear. That is the, that's why there are laughs. They're, they are pushing that joke, right? Yes. They're selling that. It's not but a chest hair. Right. But and I don't understand and, why. And ultimately, when he says, I thought it was a nice dream, that is what clinches that. But why but is he, that done? That is, that would be, I would be curious if anyone listening out here has the medical experience to be able to say whether that is a purely a ridiculous joke or based on fact. Dr. Krakauer enters smoke, smoking a cigar. He's <laughs> yeah. played by Phil Foster, who started as a so funny. dramatic yeah. actor during the Depression. Then he moved into nightclub comedy. He had an act about his childhood in Brooklyn, which led him to do some shorts for Universal known as Brooklyn's Ambassador to the World. And he would go around to different cities and talk about them as being from Brooklyn. He did sporadic TV in the 60s and 70s, including The Odd Couple, and, and late in life landed his biggest role, which was Laverne's father on Laverne and Shirley. Yeah, it's so funny. He is, um, he ha- to me, he resembles Gary Marshall so much. Maybe it's just in his voice or delivery. But it's not surprising that I feel it's like Gary Marshall casting himself, you know, <laughs> in, in this and in Laverne and Shirley. So clearly, he, I'm not surprised he's a fan. He did 148 episodes of Laverne wow, and Shirley. Wow. He is so Borschtveld. It's so perfect for this uh, character. It's great. The patient who is in the uh, room, who, who's the one at the end who says Felix to get out, which is, very uh, fun. is Philip Field. Who is this? Is fourth and final uh, odd couple appearance. He was the director in the uh, election episode, the TV director. He was oh. the TV director in one of the Howard, in, or he was in the radio in the radio episode. He was in the booth. Oh, that guy. So yeah, kind of a short guy with a mustache. But is he okay? So when I saw they did this gag before, uh, yeah, when with the patient who's all bandaged up with yes. his leg up and the thing. Yeah. And I, is he the guy that went, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think it's the same actor. No, oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know that that actor was ever identified. I see, man who goes, uh, so the continuity error here is that Felix and the doctor don't act like they've spoken on the phone just recently. Mm. Like the doctor's almost acting like he just met the Felix, yeah. or, or, oh. or has never contacted him before. I mean, he doesn't say, Oh, you're the guy on the phone, right. So well, he is a bit uh, dismissive in general, this doctor. So wouldn't surprise me if he well, well, Felix doesn't say something, doesn't act like they've spoken on the phone either. Ah, he said they have backstage at Dick Cabot, right? I called yeah. through the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Next scene, we see a large chalkboard in the living room in front of the fireplace. There's a banner on it or on top of it that says "Welcome Home, Oscar." Felix is affixing a ribbon to it. Murray opens the door a little bit and says, guess who's coming to dinner but can't swallow. Oscar's behind Murray and he's annoyed by this. He hits the door open wider. Murray says, it's the patient. Felix says, Oscar, I wasn't expecting you till tonight. Murray says, yeah, they made him check out of the hospital a little early. They didn't want you to come back, which gets Mm -hmm. a big laugh. Uh, and by the way, we see no evidence Oscar had a throat surgery. He doesn't have a scar. I he doesn't have a bandage. Really weird. There is he. He has an open neck, uh, co- open collar shirt. Yep. Uh, you see his neck. He just came home from the hospital. I mean, you would. How, and that is, how hard would that be for props and costume to mock up? Yeah. So, I don't know. It's weird. It's maybe so Jack Logan just didn't, you know, complained about it. Didn't feel, didn't want to have to deal with that, but. 
But Felix, anyway. Felix says, you see, there was nothing to worry about. The operation was a complete success. Krakauer is a genius. Murray says he can't talk for two days. Felix says, I know. That's why we have this blackboard. We'll communicate just fine. So that leads to uh, our next scene. Felix? Yeah? Okay if I go to your little boy's room? Sure, go ahead. Oscar. Oscar. <laughs> Listen, while you were away, glad to see you, I came to an amazing conclusion. Do you know why you lost your voice? <laughs> you knew. I thought I was the only one who figured it out. I bug you. I drive you crazy. Well, I'm not going to do that anyway. Don't drink the cold. It's bad for your throat. Don't gulp like that. Here. Sit. Here you are. Wipe your lips. You see, I used to drive my wife crazy, too, but I, I'm, I'm not going to drive you crazy anymore. I'm going to live and let live. You have to be just a little bit more flex. The main thing is that if you don't... <laughs> you're testing me, aren't you? I know you're not gonna smoke a cigar with that throat. You think I'm crazy? What a kidder you are. <laughs> There's a big surprise. Big surprise for you in your room. clean up your room i just i just neatened it a little because of the dust there was such dust there that's bad for your throat oscar i did it for your own good come on no, please and <clears throat> now you're making my throat hurt come on please oscar be friends i get sympathy phase like when glory was pregnant i retained water come on look, we'll we'll mess it up a little bit see look see what i did there Come on, don't make me feel so guilty. Ron, please, Oscar. It's no way to treat a guy who's struck. Please, Oscar. Hey, guys. When I stood up, I bumped my head on your sink. Does it look all right? a couple things murray says when i stood up so it implies he's doing the number two in their bathroom <laughs> and yet or, was is so short apparently that no, yeah. is so high that how would he hit his head on the side? i don't get that um when felix Again, asks pushing pushing murray's uh homer simpson quality like hard in season five here when felix asks if oscar knows why he lost his voice oscar points directly at him Felix puts a straw in Oscar's beer, but Oscar takes it out, crumples it up and throws it on the floor. When Oscar sits on the couch, he puts his leg on the coffee table and kicks his shoes off onto the table. The noise we hear is Oscar's nails on the chalkboard, yeah, which bothers dubbed Felix, in. dubbed in. Very yeah. effectively, I must say. Yeah. Uh, when Oscar sees that his room is all clean, he sits on the bed and starts to cry, although he doesn't actually cry, but he has an expression as he's crying. Yeah. 
when Felix tries to quote unquote mess it up, he takes a small sports pendant off the wall and he puts it on a chair. <laughs> Still on the drapes it over the chair. I love that. That's as messy as he can go. Felix loses his voice towards the end of the episode due to sympathy pains, which is why Murray thinks he's going deaf. When Murray says he's going deaf, we can see Jack Klugman trying to hide laughing when he's in his crying face. (laughs) I I wondered about that. Yeah, you're probably right. It's very (laughs) obvious that he's laughing. Yes. Um, And that's a really silly joke, but a funny one. Yes, it is funny. Uh, so the next scene, Felix is sitting at the dining room table with a mirror and he's a tongue and a tongue depressor and he's looking at his throat. I don't know what he's going to try to figure out. Oscar's in the kitchen opening a beer. The doorbell rings. Oscar goes to open it. But first he sticks his tongue out at Felix behind his back as he crosses the living room. And it's Dr. Krakauer again. By the way, entered. all of this that you just described is also cut from the decades version. Oh, interesting. Which okay. starts... I think still, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't wait to listen to this because I think um, they cut all the way until Krakauer is examining Oscar. So I think I have another 30 oh. seconds here. New material. Oh, wow. Okay. What do you say, Madison? Don't tell me. Don't talk. <laughs> listen. How do you feel? Don't tell me. Let me examine. <laughs> see how you feel in a minute. Let me see. Open your mouth. Ah, good. Now you can start to talk, but very softly. Remember, if you raise your voice, you'll be back in the hospital in 10 minutes. How about this, like this? Perfect. Good. <laughs> What's the matter with the nudge? <laughs> Stop playing doctor with yourself. Here, let me take a look. you're suffering from you got a severe case of nudges disease in your terms hysterical laryngitis guilt has taken over guilt from driving this man crazy in two weeks oscar will be well you'll be sick the rest of your life or until you feel that you've punished yourself enough all right that's right don't listen don't listen you may hear something that could change your whole life Turn you into a normal person like him. <laughs> what this country needs is more men like you. Thank you, Doctor. Now remember, don't raise your voice. With him around? Try your best. <laughs> nice meeting you fellas. Hey, now remember, don't shout, even when you get my bill. So the laugh there, uh, the, the laugh when we hear Dr. Krakauer go to examine Felix, uh, is because Oscar. he uses oh, uh, Felix, uh, no Felix because yeah. the Felix is right. he uses he's about to smoke in the living room <laughs> and he uses a match to look into Felix's throat and right. then we go to an act break it's a weird place to end the weird. scene and that's what I meant was cut up till the act break right oh then, so I think they went to commercial on decades after I'm Murray going deaf and then they just resumed with the after the act break so you don't see the match gag I'd miss the match gag. Oh, okay. Sounds funny to me. Yeah. It's a funny gag. Um, and I think this is the first time in the show where we've seen a character blatantly and for, for 
a significant amount of time tell Felix he's a kook and Oscar he's normal in front of both of them. Like, can you think of another take Oscar's side against? Felix. Yes. So, yeah. Who's like? I people call both call Felix a nudge and a kook all the yeah. time, but never yes. and then say and and Oscar's <laughs> the judge. Well, I you know what I think of? Oh, this is so funny. Well, I thought of the other doctor, another doctor scene uh, when our friend Kurt Conway played the once played a doctor his only non-judge role when Oscar was uh, in for the ulcer. Yeah. And Felix is doing the same bit where he's at the bedside trying to tell the doctor what to do. And the doctor's just very dismissive of Felix, and but not as aggressive, not uh, confrontational. Although he did say, Unger, in the world of ulcers, you're what's known as a carrier. Yes, and that's true. So plenty of people dress down Felix, but I feel like they don't then but go compare him to Oscar. Conway in his judge role, when things like, can I put this man on the stand? I'd love it. Right. But so still, I, even then, they that's don't. Very limited, yeah. They don't, they don't then compare Felix to Oscar, which this doctor <laughs> they does. They never say something like, Oscar is the kind of man we need more of. In right. Country. Yeah. I'm right. Like you. <laughs> that's a weird line. And I think in the whole show, yeah, and I think in the show in general, while we, the viewers, see both of them as different extremes on different sides, mm-hmm. it's Felix um, who really in the world gets more of the, the abuse. scorn, the <laughs> yeah. abuse, or dressing down <laughs> yeah. by people. Right. Oscar right. really doesn't. Well, that's true because most of us are more like Oscar, right? Oscar is... Has... Except for me. <laughs> no, of course, of course. Not. You know, my, my wife calls me a Karen because I'm always like... But you know, it's so funny. that, that Getting would be what into Felix things. That yeah. Would be what Felix, Felix is. is a Karen and I'm, I'm, Male like, Karen. I'm a Karen. Um, um, that's, uh, but I think that is part of their dynamic and part of the appeal of the show. It's not so much that they're opposites, uh, rivals, uh, you know, two sides of the same coin it's that oscar's the everyman and felix is the one who thinks he's above that you know he's yeah, better than that him. that's true and that's yeah. why oscar is ultimately i think the more sympathetic probably amongst viewers and in the general world you don't see oscar's exactly. sloppiness right it's never held against him yeah felix yeah except, it's with, Fe- Phyllis. except with phyllis well, so that's, but that's then who prefers the old oscar to after felix yeah <laughs> So after the doctor leaves, Oscar says, okay, now you heard what the doctor said. So now stay out of my room and stay out of my way, please. And don't give me any trouble, okay? Felix picks up some chalk and writes, okay. Oscar rakes that and says, and you're going to treat me right. You're not going to bother me. Felix writes, no. Oscar races that and says, and you're going to be very nice about everything. Felix is now exasperated and he writes, nice. Oscar races that and says, thank you very much. He walks away and he goes to pat Felix on the back to thank him, but the eraser is still in his hand. <laughs> so all he does <laughs> is he gets chalk all over Felix and chalk dust in the air. And Felix's sinuses are getting irritated by this. And he goes to make his honking noises, but he can't. So he writes honk on the <laughs> chalkboard with an exclamation point. <laughs> that is, okay. That comes close to violating. Sometimes I get, uh, when shows get so self-referential, like yeah. in joke. But it's just so unexpected and so but it's, hilarious. Yeah. And so right. It's like so logical. It is. It's so great. <laughs> the way they've set it up. And the, the way he does it is very funny. Next, we see New York City at night. And then for the fourth time in this show, Felix and Oscar are robbed. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Wait. I just like okay. to say wait, that wait, wait, I grew wait. up. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I grew up four blocks from them in the 70s in New York City, never robbed once. This is not this is not the way life was in New York in the 70s. All right, let's count. So there was the episode, the security arms episode, which is why they yeah. didn't go to the building. Right. They don't actually get well, do they do get robbed there? Right. Yes. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that one because they find yeah, the, yeah, they find it's all empty. Yeah. Tied up? Yeah. What what? Oh, I think it's the one where they there is an episode where they find Felix tied up. Uh, now I can't oh. remember. Oh my god, we've. Seen I think you're right. Movies, I know. Uh, I think you're right. Just, 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 just keep going. Just keep going. Okay. So I think let's let's just say yeah that's yeah. Um, I guess the patrol civilian patrol involves. Oh yeah, yes. they get robbed. Right. Uh, the, yeah. I don't know. So red strike we just saw where they get robbed. Yes. Where do they steal the couch from under Oscar's sleep? In in the pursuit patrol, there's a robber in the building who feels robber in the building, which is close enough. Yeah. Okay. So you're so those are the three, and this is the Uh, fourth. You're right. Yeah, I'm just yeah, right. Yes. I guess you Uh, counted them already. That's how you knew it was. I actually didn't count them. I just I felt like this was the fourth one. I didn't go. Yeah, because you rushed to make me do this today. Uh, I didn't have time to do that. Is that too inside? Yes, we're doing this. We're doing this uh, under under uh, duress. Short, short. Maybe you are a shortened uh, timeline preparation timeline. But uh, so next we see New York City at night. Oh, I said this already. Sorry. Um, so now we see two men in CD clothes just walk into the building. They walk into the apartment somehow. I don't know how they got in. I, I guess maybe they have locked again. Clothes. Right. It's like they keep getting robbed, even though there's a. Uh, a doorman. doorman downstairs they have to make it up to the 11th floor yeah this is a either building look either park either 1049 park avenue or even worse would be the what you call it the san remo san remo there is no right. way these buildings are right. getting robbed like this. you know what yeah i'm sorry this is an important parenthetical <laughs> um I, the problem the thing with these these people living in these buildings can be robbed but the way they would be robbed is like during the day someone is, is is scouting that apartment they know when their people are gone but they go in pretending to be cleaning people or a service or delivery men and then they get access to the apartment they steal jewelry or something so i will tell you with a couch my my apartment was robbed oh, growing okay. up in 1994 the, my mother lived on the second floor of a, of a park avenue apartment there was scaffolding mm-hmm. on the first floor to do work and the people she was away she was not home she there was on vacation right. she, they climbed up the scaffolding which now has bigger better security on it and and opened a window and st- there you go steel right so it is possible then. that's the it's way possible it but not four times not for and also they don't walk out with a couch and a couch and a tv set right <laughs> exactly yeah that's right they did that yeah they took silver that's all they took i think was silver yeah. uh Okay, so we see two people enter. One is our good old friend, Louis Gus. The great in Gus. In fifth and final episode. And the other is Joshua Shelley in his third appearance. He was Oscar's accountant in Ides of April, the one who couldn't make any heads or tails of Oscar's uh-huh. paperwork. Oh, I didn't recognize him. It's hard to see. He's got a big hat on. And he was the race announcer in Felix the Horse Player. That's, he's credited as the announcer the in Felix the Horse Yeah, as the, the racetrack announcer. Hey, you know, uh, now when you say this is Louis Gus's fifth, you are counting his yes. unseen, his cut, his expurgated. Well, uh, he, yeah, he was seen, but he was seen in there, he but seen. he didn't oh, get right. to do much. Yes. They cut the scene. So, by the way, Louis Gus also in The Godfather. Oh, look at all this coming back. See if this, the offer series uh, perhaps devotes, gives him credit, has a Louis Gus actor in it. That would be nice. 
the living room is dark and the Joshua Shelley Roberts says, hey, want to take the television set? And Louis Gus says, not with my back, although they do end up taking the TV. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> Joshua Shelley says, OK, I'll take it. There are these comically inept burgers, like Louis Gus. Yes. It's old man. <laughs> but what else are they going to do on that? couple? Right, right. Uh, Louis Gus says, let's get the silverware first. So they move to the kitchen and Joshua Shelley notices that it says hawk on the chalkboard and he points that out. <laughs> and Louis Gus says, maybe they teach geese. That is the most random, hilarious joke. The, it's because that's great because there's you got the geese thing, but it's like because it's on a blackboard. <laughs> this is the way my mind works. Like I just keep laughing, thinking they like the idea that they're going to have a row of geese sitting in front of the chalkboard who can read and teaching them how to hunt. I I I, I know I'm only I think that way. No, that's the joke. I think yes, that way too. I just I just enjoy like you know like. A, uh, letting that joke uh, float around in my mind. Yeah, They go to the kitchen and they start to look for silverware. Felix comes out into the living room in his robe, I guess, to get something to eat or something. He sees the burglars, or unless he hears them, and that's why he comes out, but I don't think so. He backs out of the kitchen, he backs out of the living room, goes to Oscar's room, and now in this scene, I just want to say ahead of time, he has to pantomime to, to Oscar yeah. what's Tony happening. Tony Randall is enjoying, I think, this like 20 minutes, 10 minutes of the episode where he's just basically a silent comedian. You want me to go back to the hospital? Do you know what the doctor said? Get out of my room. Will you please get out of my room? Operator. This is your operator speaking. Is this an obscene phone call? What are you doing? Will you get out of my room? Please get out of my room. Give me a chance to sleep. What? What?
can't raise my voice anyway if I could sing. You sing quietly? You mean like Nat King Cole? Are you out of your mind? I can't do that. Mona Lisa. No, I don't want to sing. We gotta do something else. Make funny faces? That's a good idea. So that's where the scene ends in the DVD. Oh, uh, I know. Uh, there's not much else to explain except for what's missing. I feel like that scene is pretty self-explanatory. But of course, there's a very... I will know there is one thing. Oh, yes. To know, is that yeah. Murray come, does indeed come in with a pizza. Yes. A big pizza that he really uh, pissed me off that he just like left with the pizza and didn't leave it there for Fields and Oscar. Oh. Uh, he also gets the pizza all over his suit, which he refers to. So there's a pretty famous funny scene that happens in the non-DVD, non on the TV version that you probably saw, yeah. which we'll play. Of. I couldn't find the whole segment. I have most of it, I think. Um, I don't, we didn't get it in our, in oh. our video from our friend, um, but I, this is enough to, to indicate what it is. And I think the fans know it. Wherever you go. Whatever you do, we're gonna go through it together. We may not go far, but sure as a star, wherever we are, we're together. So after each verse, Felix moves his chair closer to Oscar in the sign of friendship, and Oscar moves his chair further away from Because they're still tied to their chair, so yes. Felix has to hop the chair over. And Oscar's and Jack Lincoln's giving him one of those deadpan looks the whole time and just moves away every time Felix so, you know, uh, so giddily like hops up to him. Now, Garrett, you found a clip of Jack Clevin actually singing this song from Gypsy. Yes. So to me, this it's such a shame to, if you're watching this and this is cut because 
This song together, uh, we're, now I forget, it's not, I always thought of it as together, but the full title is uh, Together Forever or something. Whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, it's from the musical Gypsy, which was Jack Klugman's big Broadway, maybe not debut, but his big breakthrough role in uh, 1959. And it's hard, it's still hard to imagine Jack Klugman in a musical. And while he did not have a big singing part, he did have a few numbers that he had to share with the great Ethel Merman. And this is one of them. It's a song by, uh, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, our friend, and uh, I know a friend of yours. And uh, uh, Julie Stein wrote the music. And A friend of my father is Julie Stein. Yes. Oh, a real yes. friend, not... Not no, a real friend. Not, not, not no, my, who wrote, my, who wrote an angry letter. Yes. yes my dad didn't know Julie Stein. <laughs> oh, quite yeah. Well. Great, yeah. great songwriter. So, uh, and I just think, I wonder who picked this song because it, it's one of, it's just, this is the song that Klugman sang on Broadway. And I think Tony Randall must get a kick out of singing it to Jack Klugman, who can't sing back. Well, who, it also uh, fits the, and it fits the, the it comes out yeah. of the show. Yeah. All right. So here's, song. here's a minute and a half of that. The original cast. Wherever we go, whatever we do, we're gonna go through it together. Wherever we sleep, if prices are steep, we'll always sleep cheaper together. Whatever the boat I row, you row. A duo. Someone with nerve. Together. Together. Wherever. Wherever. Together. Wherever we go. So the original run of Gypsy was 1959 and 1961 for seven or two yeah. performances with yeah. Merman, Jack Clement, and a person I've not heard of, maybe you have Sandra Church. Oh, I don't, I guess she was the original uh, Louise, yeah. Uh, yeah. Gypsy Rose, it's the life of Gypsy Rose Lee. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, 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 I take your point that obviously this, you, you don't have to know that to appreciate the song in this episode because it's so organic to the situation. But I can't believe it's a coincidence that someone chose this song not knowing that Klugman sang it. Of course, yes. And it's a great, I mean, it's a, it's a very well-known Broadway song yeah. as well. Um, well, good find, Garrett. Thank you. In a tag, we see police car with sirens pulling up in front of the building. Murray double parks in front of the building, gets, goes, and gets out of his car and goes inside the building. But then he comes in from the kitchen, from the back stairs, where he <laughs> left. He followed the burglars out. The, the burglars fled out yeah. the back door right. of the kitchen. Right. And then Murray f went after him. And in the tag, he comes back, <laughs> which tells me this edit, this scene of him getting out of the police car, going to the building was completely unnecessary. 
Right. And just inserted. Uh, but really, you could tell like on when they were taping this on the soundstage, like uh, Al Molinaro just like walks out the, uh, the, the, the back door and comes back in and it makes perfect sense continuity right. in the studio. Of course. So I know. So somebody made a goof entering this shot in before this scene. Right. That's what I think. I agree. So he comes in, Murray says, well, we got him. They started running, but I yelled, stop thief. And then I fired a warning shot in the air and then they stopped and were placed under arrest. Oscar says, oh, that's great, Murray. Murray says, yeah, but I feel bad. Oscar asks why. Murray says, I scared a pigeon. You ought to see the little thing running through the park. Oscar says, Murray, where's our stuff? Murray says, down at the station. We need it for evidence. By the way, they're both still tied up. It must be hours later if they did all this police station <laughs> right. stuff. Right. Uh, we Murray need it for could have at least sent someone else upstairs. Right. Plus, the door's broken open. You would think somebody <laughs> would have. Safe. Yeah. Uh, Murray would say, uh, sorry, Murray says, down at the station, we need it for evidence now. You'll get it back in a couple of days. Another job well done by your man in blue. Felix says, Murray. Murray says, yes. Felix says, untie us. Murray says, oh, yeah, there are so many details to this job. And he goes to untie them, and we get a freeze frame, which is a little unusual. Yeah. It was a freeze frame? It, it was. Must be very short. Is it a short one? Very... Yes, it's a short one. Uh, that's it. So I like this episode a lot. It's lots of funny gags, good guests, a lot going on. It moves. I give it four out of five Murrays. Uh, I not only like it, but uh, I I like it more and more the more we talk about it. And I was in yeah inclined to give it for to sort of a little demerit for things like the the, the absurdity of the the burglars, kind of that they had to go to that point in the plot. But I even appreciate that as kind of like it makes it kind of a New York fable. This episode, something about this episode episode that is kind of relying on these kind of uh, tall tale fable qualities, like stretching belief, like Felix having this episode of imaginary laryngitis, and it works for me. Uh, and I mean, man, you got Dick Cavett, uh, do it. Who's great in it at being himself? Uh, Phil Foster is hilarious. Uh, and you get a Louis Gus cameo, and and uh, Philip I'll, Field and Joshua Shelley. Well, those guys too, yeah. Uh, and Catalin Turner. Uh, Kathleen Turner was in this. Really? No, no. So um, I give it a five. I think this is becoming wow now becoming one of my favorites. Oh wow! Um, all right. Well, if you have any feedback for us or information, by the way, we did get some information last week. Uh, we mentioned about Jack in the Box and whether or not it was on the East or West Coast. And someone told us that they did remember Jack in the Box in Queens. Hmm. So, Never went to one in my life. Are they still around? Yeah, pretty sure. I don't know about New York, but I in the West Coast, so yes. Uh, so if you have any feedback for us or anything you want to share, questions information you can email us at 1049pod at gmail.com and of course always appreciate a five-star review on facebook oscar i don't bother my mind with those silly little things ted you got a case of the extreme nudge disease <laughs> <laughs>